I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Everybody. My name is Neil Anderson. This is Return to Real. Welcome to my podcast. Interesting, fun day today. I've got one of my dear friends, Kirk Worsland, one of the guys that I trust with my health and always have. This is a guy I've known for many, many years, and he is Utah's top pain and regenerative medicine expert. He really is. And so I've been trying to get him on the show now for what, what Kirk, like three months? <laughs> He's three years. You're busy, brother. It's so hard to connect with. Yeah, you're busy, and and rightfully so. You do a lot of really good stuff. Some of you have heard of Integrated Wellness. If you haven't, they've got offices all over the place, right? You're you're here in Bountiful, and yeah. you've got another one out of South Jordan, correct? And uh, they're experts down there. So, Kurt, a long time, buddy. Good to talk to you. We go way back. We do. You know, we used to do a, a health and fitness talk radio show on a different station. This is almost 20 years ago. It's coming up on 20. That's a long time, man. I'm crazy. Um, I wanted to get in you on the show and I wanted to pick your mind about regenerative medicine. I, am, I just turned 50 and I'm obsessed now with aging. I'm obsessed with health and wellness in aging. I got to tell you a story yesterday, two days ago, we went out to mom and dad's house and they have this long canal, this long. And when I was a kid, we used to go water skiing on this canal. And my brother, my dumb brother is like 39. He was like, you know what we ought to do? We ought to get out on the canal and ski on the canal. I'm like, yes, we should. So we went out there and we took all of the grandkids and we went out and put the dually diesel truck up on the bank and we jumped in the water and we skied along the canal and we had a riot. We had a ball. And I got to tell you the reason that that meant so much to me is because all of my life I've said, the only point of doing all this working out that I do and, and such is so that I could go out and have experiences like that, where I didn't just drive the truck. I was the first guy in the water and I was the first guy down the canal bank. And so that, you know, and this is something that I'm super proud of. I was also the fastest guy down the canal bank. I did, I I jumped in. I told my brother, I'm like, crank it up to 50. Let's see if we can get that old diesel up to 50. And I'll see if I can hold onto that rope at 50 miles an hour along the old canal. And we got her. I was so happy about it. uh, It's funny you say that. I happened to cross that little video yesterday as I was, Checking out some of our advertising and marketing, all of a sudden, boom, 50 50. 50 years old going 50 miles an hour on skis down a canal. Wild. You know what? I think I was way safer than everybody in the back of that truck, though. I think you were. As long as you stay right down the middle of that canal, right? I mean, that's the challenge is that balance going right down the middle. I'll tell you what I was scared of. So when we were kids, 17, um, kid in town named Neil Checkett's got behind and he was in the old, behind the old pickup and we shifted up into third gear and we decided to floor it and see how fast, how long old Neil could hang on. And we floored it down there. We hit about 35, 45 miles an hour and he Cobra, he scorpioned 
into the canal bank and just helicoptered. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was ugly. And so that has always been the terminal velocity in my mind of the, the skiing in the canal was 35, 40 it's, miles an hour. It's the risk takers like that that keep me in business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of such, teach me a wise one. What is, what's the newest stuff in regenerative medicine? I'm 50 and all I care about is just keeping some of my youth, you know? Well, I think, first of all, a lot of people are, are a little maybe scared or kind of turned off when they hear regenerative medicine because, unfortunately, in the industry, you get a lot of hocus pocus. And, and sometimes the communication of, of snake oil and whatnot. But if you really understand and really research regenerative medicine, it's a movement in medicine that has been happening for about a decade. Our clinic was one of the first in the state of Utah to integrate regenerative medicine into our, our practice with the multidisciplinary approach we take. Um, what I'm about to share with you, I think, is, is taking some pretty, pretty detailed years of research and just simplifying it because I think it's easier when you simplify things. Regenerative medicine, Neil, is simply taking naturally derived biological products in other words, stuff we are, things and stuff we already have and that our body already produces, but concentrating it and reintroducing it into the body in a very specific, unique, safe sort of way to optimize the body's ability to heal. And there's a wide variety of different products that are out and available. Uh, regenerative medicine can be an IV approach. Regenerative medicine can be an intramuscular injection. Regenerative medicine can also be joint repair or joint rejuvenation and you got bone on bone or arthritis or a joint that's deteriorating you can use regenerative medicine types of procedures to help enhance the body's ability to heal i think the key is is it's not it's not this miracle thing uh, nor is it a drug in fact uh, some of the things i'm going to share with you is really pretty cool because fda and our government is really backing this now 10 years ago it was considered wacko but things like prolotherapy, which I'll describe in just a minute, and PRP were just recently FDA approved last September to be healthy procedures specific to uh, things like joint repair and tissue repair for injections and so forth. We're also anticipating in November of this year that uh, FDA is, and is attempting, depending upon what happened with COVID and the effects on all this, but we're anticipating a huge announcement of FDA's stance on things like stem cell and uh, allograft tissue, which is, again, some things I can share with you. We're anticipating they're going to come out and, in essence, approve it as, as kind of the standard for joint care moving forward and potentially the preliminary options prior to jumping right into surgical intervention of a knee or a hip or a shoulder. So it's made some huge movements. But if we go back and just share with you what it is, it's, again, it's naturally derived biological products that our body already produces. So I'll simply use an analogy. Neil, have you ever sprained your ankle? Yeah, man. If you live in gravity, you've probably sprained your ankle at one point or another, especially if you're, you know, lived a few decades. But you sprain an ankle, what happens? You get this inflammatory response, right? Uh, first, there's the elicitation of pain. Pain is that obvious mechanism that says, hey, we got a problem. Houston, 
please come help. Well, our body was designed to repair itself, right? And the healthier we are, the better we have the ability to repair. But needless to say, depending upon where you are, you get this infiltration of a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that damaged area and tries to begin to heal it, right? You get blood flow, oxygen, white blood cells, neutrophils, basophils, eosinophils, all that stuff that you, we've all been you know, through the basic science with. And there's this inflammatory response. Well, that inflammatory response is the body's innate system of trying to get in there and start to repair the damage. No different than a fire department would show up to a fire, right? And they come with axes and fire hoses and they try to put all the fire out. Well, the ingredients that are in there are things like oxygen, cobalamin, B12, so vitamins and minerals that the body transports to that area to start to repair it. You get this increase in white blood cell activity. White blood cells carry tremendous amounts of proteins and concentrated cytokines, which again are a unique type of protein. But believe it or not, our body also has and produces stem cells. And stem cells are released into that area to try to help repair it. Well, what happens is the older we get or the more damaged those tissues are, the less of those biological products we have. And so our healing is slowed. And because of that slowing, we can develop things like scar tissue and damage. Well, back in the early 20s, 30s, and even into the 40s, 1920s, 30s, and 40s, science was aware of all this stuff. And so there was some technology of trying to do this even way back then. Uh, one of the things we were doing way back then was bone marrow transplant, right? Uh, where they do what's called an aspirate. They drill a hole in the iliac crest, the largest dense bone in the body, and try to aspirate out the material. And they take that and concentrate it and then reintroduce it into the body for treatment of some kind of tumor or some kind of a health issue, right? So bone marrow was uh, bone marrow transplants were kind of the thing for high-end treatment of some pretty life-threatening types of conditions or diseases. Well, that continued to improve until the 70s and 80s, until all of a sudden we heard about liposuction. Liposuction came into the industry with one obvious intent, but through liposuction, we were also able to, to allocate stem cells. Because stem cells and those biological products are harvested in our body in two areas, bone marrow and adipose tissue, fatty tissue. So we were able to derive some biological cellular agents from fatty tissue, throw away the gunk and pull out the good stuff. They started testing and utilizing that. And uh, they were using that for treatment of certain types of conditions and diseases. In 1991... FDA approved the ability for a mom to donate biological tissue post-healthy delivered baby, a placenta and umbilical cord, to science and research. So now a mother that, uh, for example, especially IMC right here in, in good old Utah, is the highest volume medical facility in the country that provides these regenerative medicine products. Why? Because we have the highest volume of birth rates in Utah. Well, I guess they would, right? Yeah. But needless to say, now we're able to get these biological products instead of having to, to drill it from a hip or whatnot. We're able now to get these biological products from all natural means, FDA approved. In 2017, FDA also regulated every laboratory that sells or harvests these biological products 
They have to follow certain statutes. Well, about 50% of them are closed down because of that. The remainder of them being certified by FDA are able to deliver those. But what, I, what I'm getting to is, is there's been this huge evolution of history to help support it. Well, now we've really found the tremendous benefits of this, this whole regenerative medicine aspect of things that now is being leaned into on or for anti-aging. Um, instead of trying to treat a condition or a disease, you can do an intramuscular injection of certain biological products that can give you a massive boost and can be sustained and still measurable up to 24 months later. Okay, go, back, really for me. go back a little bit for me. Okay. When, when they harvest a stem cell, yeah. you're saying they can give an intramuscular, intramuscular injection and... What would they be giving that for? And what are the other places they can use them? And I have lots of questions about it. Let's go there. So that's a perfect question. First and foremost, um, let me give you kind of, kind of the three tier when it comes to regenerative medicine, there's right now in the industry, there's what I just simply call good, better, best. The good is what's called prolotherapy. Neil, back in the day when you and I watched NFL football players and NBA basketball players, the dudes would pound their bodies like crazy, and they lived on cortisone. Yeah. Big cortisone shot here and cortisone shot there. Well, it wasn't until about the mid-'90s that we started realizing research identified that cortisone actually accelerates arthritic degeneration in joints. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is there was a huge, uh, a huge lawsuit. Some of these uh, professional athletes sued And then shortly thereafter, the pharmaceutical companies came out with a new mandate that you can't get more than three cortisone shots in one joint in your lifetime because they don't want to take on the liability. I remember how much relief I got in a knee one time like that. I went back the next year and my doc was like, I don't know about that, man. You only got a couple of these left. That's exactly why. And, And so that's partly why, unfortunately, what happens is then cortisone is more of just a pain management, joint pain management type of a thing versus what we thought two two or three decades ago, that it would actually help repair the tissue. It actually accelerates the damage. So what I was getting to is is uh, shortly thereafter, athletes needed something. And so most of them now resort to in a minor uh, ligament or muscle pull or whatnot to accelerate their ability to get back out on the field. They resort to prolotherapy. Prolotherapy is simply a combination of, of excited oxygen, which is O3 versus O2, right? Excited oxygen is the same thing that a football player might, uh, you might see him sucking in that air after he ran a hundred yard kickoff return. He re- he's the hero. He runs off the sideline, sits down and he's, <sighs> he'll suck in O3. That O3 is excited oxygen. So it gets into the cells and you get this massive acceleration of recovery. So instead of taking three, four, five minutes for him to recover, he recovers in just a few moments and is able to hop back out on the field as if he never ran that hundred yard dash. So when we take that O3 and combine it with cobalamin, which is just B12, the combination of B12 and cobalamin into a damaged tissue, a a slight tear in a ligament or a tendinous tear, or even a muscle that's been stretched and torn, you can do the prolotherapy and the recovery is cut in half, sometimes even faster. And that's just a straight-up injection right into the affected area. Right into the affected area, whether it's a trigger point or a myofascial sprain strain. or, or uh, I'll give you just an example. My boy, 
my son, Karsten, who's now, this has been a couple of years ago, but he was playing football at Bountiful High School. Their second uh, game of the season, his senior year, was uh, the running back, and they were beating Davis, which was, which was pretty cool. Anyway, uh, second quarter, they're killing him, like 28 to 7, and he gets hit, he gets smashed, and has a, a second-degree partial tear AC separation. The orthopedist on the sideline looks at it and says, sorry, bud, you're out, right? Well, it's a senior year, and he looks up to me, and he's like, dad, 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 what do I do? I jump down there, take a look at it, and I said, all right, it's going to hurt, bud. But I said it, taped it up, and he went back out and played kind of against the coach's will. After the game, obviously, as you know, that's when all the pain starts to settle in. So he was in quite a bit of pain. The coach, the orthopedist there said, you're out, bud. That week, in one week, we did two prolotherapy injections right in the AC joint. Our medical doctor on staff did that, orthopedic med doc, under ultrasound, right into the AC joint with the prolotherapy, along with some just some physical therapy. He was back playing again Friday night with no pain and full function. Wow, that's a big deal. That's the kind of stuff second degree. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. Now, certainly if there was a full-on, you know, third degree, you get into something completely different, total instability, and you've got to immobilize it set you know it was kind of one plus two and we were able to turn around pretty quick so the next one up neil is prp you've probably heard of that yeah yeah they pull platelets out and, and yeah so simply the, the technology is pretty cool it stands for platelet rich plasma or protein rich plasma which everyone calls what all we do is we there's now an fda approved uh centrifuges that can actually after you draw your blood, we can draw about 50 to 70 cc's of your own blood, which is about the same you give when you go donate, donate your blood. Um, but we take that 70 cc's, we put it into a unique centrifuge. We place it into a machine that vibrates it and spins it at a certain frequency. And in doing so, we are, we're able to completely separate out the high-rich protein platelets from the red blood cells. You'll like this analogy. I like to compare it to the old dairy farm. Right, all that milk goes to the big tank, and it swirls and swirls, and the rich, creamy, good stuff is all at the very top. I grew up on a dairy farm, so I used to go in there and swoop it up and drink it down. Anyway, the good old stuff, the richest protein platelets are in the concentration of the white blood cells. Well, this technology now, we're able to actually separate out what's called the PPP, the platelet-poor plasma from the PRP, and then from this little bit of gunk that's not really beneficial at all. You pull out the PRP, and that PRP has two primary huge protein-rich factors. One's called growth factors. The other ones are cytokines. Cytokines are proteins, and cytokines are the precursor to your own body's stem cell. So anywhere we see an increase in cytokine activity, we get this neurological stimulus that says, hey, Houston, stem cells in my body, come and join the party to help repair the damage to the tissue. And PRP is appropriate for certain types of soft, soft tissue injuries, uh, repetitive stress injuries, uh, you know, chronic pain types of stuff. One of the things we do a, a ton of is like adhesive capsulitis, frozen shoulder syndrome. Mm-hmm. We'll do a PRP injection and just get that stuff kicked in there, and then we can break through all the scar tissue and adhesions and optimize the healing capacity. Is it the same kind of thing? thing then you you inject it directly to the affected area via ultrasound is that that thing under guided ultrasound we're going right into 
Now, the unique thing about this is, and the success is really optimized when you're using the right product, but the specificity of the placement is key. So doing these things under ultrasound, especially when you're going into a joint, it's pretty critical. So you're really optimizing the damaged tissue, whether it's the bursa or the tendon or the, you know, the, the uh, articular capsule or posterior, you know, any, you can get really, really, really specific under a gutter ultrasound. I've been surprised with how many of my clients have had such great success with stuff like this. They've, a lot of them have come to you. I know Ashley Smith has talked to me about it and, and such. There's, there's been a lot of people that are like, wow, I, I would have never believed the kind of relief I feel. You know, I, I, we've always, I've always been, because of who we are and what we do, we've always been kind of on the cusp of cutting edge. And along with that, often comes bumps and bruises because you just don't know. I mean, if we're the ones that are plowing that, that future in regenerative medicine, which we have been, it's hard to be able to predict. But now that we've done, I mean, literally hundreds, we probably have over 10,000 of these Prolo and PRPs under our belt to where now based on orthopedic testing evaluation, we can somewhat predict who's a candidate and who isn't and their potential outcome based on certain factors. So it's, it's really, what do you predict that on? What sort of factors do you use to predict that? Like who would be a better um, prolotherapy candidate versus a PRP candidate? Well, uh, the speed of healing has a lot to do with, again, the health of the individual. So if I've got someone who's overweight, out of shape, smoking, it's, you know, it's probably the same factors, cofactors you'd look at in, in, in a high-risk versus a low-risk patient. But their, their activity levels, their vitality function, their oxygen uptake, which we do a pulse oximeter and kind of test that. And we're looking at a lot of different factors to really determine the speed in which their body is going to be able to truly heal. The other thing is, is remember that uh, if we're doing PRP, for example, we're pulling it from their body, right? And then we're just concentrating their own good stuff and putting it back in. Well, if we're pulling out a bunch of gunk to try to put it back into gunk, it's not, it's not going to work very well. I wondered about that. That's, that yeah. makes sense. I wondered about that. So some people who are unhealthy, Neil, will go to the level of best. I know just kind of watching time. I want to answer a lot of your questions, but go to the best. And in, in stem cell, quote unquote, this, this category of stem cell, uh, legally FDA has come out and said, look, you can't really use stem cell because of the science research. So it's really referred to as what's called allograft tissue. And there are different factors of allograft tissue from amniotic fluid to uh, what's called the umbilical cord lining, what's called Wharton's jelly of the umbilical cord. And then there's actually placental tissue. And then you get kind of a coagulator combination of those three that pull in a whole bunch of different factors. And then there's kind of the, the Rolls Royce of stem cells that are called exosomes. And they actually each have different healing factors. So we can actually get pretty diagnostic in what we're treating and why we're treating. Uh, instead of just, you know, a shotgun approach, we can look at what kind of tissue is damaged, if there's cartilaginous loss, if there's joint space loss, if they've got, for example, a meniscus that's completely deteriorated. We're going to use different compartments or different coagulates of each of these products to really help the healing because they each have different healing capacities. 
Um, amniotic fluid, for example, Neil, uh, amniotic fluid, one cc, we actually can get about one to two cc's. One to two cc's of just amniotic fluid is comparative to about four to six PRP injections. Wow. Were so, you, are you able to get those two? Is that something that... Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Allograft tissue. We do all of that here in our clinic and have for about eight years now. Wow. That sounds like super cutting edge and you're anticipating the FDA to come out and say soon to go, Hey man, this is, this is a bona fide type of therapy. Yeah. We've been doing prolotherapy for about a decade. We've been doing PRP for as long as well. And it wasn't until just last, last fall FDA approved them. And we're, so cool. we're anticipating within the next three to five years that because of that approval, we may see insurance companies starting to cover it. Most of these right now are still an elective and cash pay type of thing. Where are we going with this? Like, what will this eventually be able to heal? Obviously, this will heal things like I got a little catch in my shoulder. I got a little catch in my back. Where, were we, where will we go down the road? Give me a projection. Like, what will this do in terms of aging and healing and that sort of thing? Neil, that's a great question. Um, I was actually featured about two years ago in an international documentary called The Healing Miracle. You go to thehealingmiracle.com. It was Jeff Hayes who produced it. We, uh, there's a series of 17 docu-series. My clinic and many of our patients, in fact, I think there's about seven or eight of our patients, uh, were, were featured in this documentary. And in this documentary, they went international and gathered the data to see and really understand what's really happening in the future. And uh, this was two years ago. We're seeing everything come to fruition. FDA is absolutely absorbing this because more and more people are flocking to this instead of a surgical intervention. Now, believe me, there's a time and a place for everything. I think you know me, Neil. I mean, for X eggs, if you need, you need surgery on a knee, go get dang, it's time. It, there's a time and a place. But if we can appropriately repair it naturally, and you're going to have a whole lot more longevity in, in what's in there versus putting a titanium thing in there and hoping three to five years might last. Do you feel like it'll regenerate, say, will we get to a point in the future with stem cell types of regeneration and therapy? Will we get to the point where we can take a degenerated hip and, and have it come back? I could show you, in fact, if you go onto this docu-series, you'll see pre and posts exactly like that. In fact, Neil, it's gotten so measurable that there's new technology called cartilaginous mapping. With every one of our patients, we offer to them the ability through an MRI. Every imaging center in the state of Utah right now offers what's called cartilaginous mapping, which you can do a pre-stem cell procedure and a post-stem cell procedure and they're actually able to measure the amount of cartilaginous growth on the end plates, whether it's a knee or a hip or even a spinal injection. If you're talking about a degenerative disc or DJD in the lumbar spine or cervical spine, it's actually measurable, which is partly why FDA is really starting to, to pay attention and really jump on board because it's, it's measurable. It's already happening. It's been happening for five to seven years. It's just more and more people are starting to realize that it's happening. I wonder what that'll do in terms of the rest of aging, right? So if we can grow more cartilage, 
my knee can get better. My back can get better. My neck can get better. There are things that I can start counting on. What will it do for my brain, for my immune function, for my digestion, for all of that? Same? Well, so if you think about it, um, stem cells have two primary factors, two unique factors. One, they're multipotent. And two, they're undifferentiated. Multipotent is just a big term for they're like a chameleon cell. They have the ability to become literally anything. Now, most people don't realize what a stem cell is, but literally everything in your body stemmed from a stem cell. Your skin, your hair, your nose, your eyes, your heart, your lung, your spleen, literally everything started from those two little cells after mom and daddy had a twinkle in their eye. And those cells replicated and replicated. Well, those are stem cells. And stem cells were pre-DNA, right? They existed pre-DNA. And they multiply and multiply and multiply until we get that DNA and RNA chain. And that DNA and RNA chain turn into the brain, stem, and spinal cord of the embryo. So that's the second factor of stem cells is they're, they're, they're um, undifferentiated, which means I could take a stem cell out of me and put it into you. And I wouldn't know the difference. Now, if I took one out of a dog and put it into you, it's a different genome and species. But from one human to the other, that's why we know and why FDA approved in 1991 the ability for us to harvest stem cell and apply them for treatment because they're undifferentiated. They're pre-DNA, pre-gender, pre-DNA. So they're safe in their deployment. That's partly why, again, we're seeing this massive increase in utilization of stem cell and these biological agents. So we are seeing kind of we're at the cusp of healing on a pretty grand uh, scale. Like we got hormone replacement therapy right now that a lot of people are into. This might fix your own hormones, your pituitary to secrete more growth hormone, um, et cetera. I, I, the way I understand it, though, is growth hormone doesn't really decrease. Just your ability to secrete it is what sure. decreases um, testosterone, estrogen, thyroid, such like, so this has the ability, how, how would that be administered? Are we stem celling the same way? Are we, are we administering stem cells the same way we are with PRP? No, no. Um, there are a number of different ways to administer regenerative types of products. And again, when, when it comes to more systemic treatment, which is kind of what you're talking about, like hormones, digestive yeah. health, uh, uh, cardiovascular health, etc. The best means of treatment is IV application, getting it right, in, right into the bloodstream and allowing the body to push it through the body. Uh, again, stem cells chase areas of degeneration and or inflammatory areas because that's where all the cytokine activity is happening. So they're, they're, they're triggered to chase those areas. So we do, we do it through IV we're going to do that now we also as you mentioned earlier probably before we started recording we do a host of different types of ivs that are concocted in certain ways to help enhance certain types of of weaknesses ailments uh, improving performance and function and so forth um but when it comes to stem cell stem cell is probably it's obviously the most expensive because of where it's derived from but it also is sustained longer in the body than a lot of the nutrients you can get just through a simple IV, like a Myers cocktail, vitamin, you know, high dose vitamin C, or or a, you know, high dose vitamin D, B, A's, and C's. Um, 
a stem cell actually we're showing can because it, because of its replicatory properties you're still seeing the benefits up to 24 months later that's that's amazing see that's got all of my attention right now i've been studying this is you know you turn 50 and that's what you start thinking about all those that first step out of bed in the morning that's all you can think of you know yeah. uh, i got the, i got a real bad flu last year about this time and uh, not covid thank goodness and I ran off. A buddy of mine was like, come down to this therapy place that I go to. And he, I, I got a, a really high dose of vitamin C, like two or three high doses of vitamin C. And I can't believe how much that boosted my energy for the next couple of days. Now, the guy said, you need to come and have it done regularly. Sure. And I think if I would have, it would have kicked my flu a little th- a little quicker. If not kicked it, it would have made me feel better the whole way. I was surprised by that. And you guys do this type of IV therapy. We do. We do for sure. When it comes to IV therapies, again, there's kind of a good, better, best. Um, We have a lot of just uh, high-end athletes that will come in and they'll do a regular monthly just kind of a boost with a glutathione push. Glutathione, as you know, is a powerful antioxidant that's just giving you a lot of... uh, sustenance in your energy but typically with all of our ivs we'll finish it with the glutathione push because of its features and benefits but we can do kind of entry level um ivs we've got about 18 different specific ivs ranging from just a few basic little uh, nutrients and minerals and then we do more of high dose iv therapy that's specific to things like chronic thyroid problems cushings and Hashimoto's, uh, chronic digestive problems, which is kind of one and the same. Mm. Uh, most thyroid problems we're seeing in our culture today are a result of gut health. Is mm. T3 is produced in the gut, and when that gut's just depleted and shut down, it's not able to balance out your T4, and so you just completely lose your ability to uptake the, thi- the thyroid hormones your body needs for regulatory processes. And that's why we're seeing... So many, particularly females in our culture today, have tremendous problems with uh, emotion and gut health and even trying to rid that last 15, 20 pounds of weight because the body's just trying to protect itself. But there are multiple different levels of IV therapy, Neil. The reality is none of it's like a silver bullet. None of this that I'm sharing with you is the, you know, (laughs) the silver bullet. If there ever was one, stem cell types of therapies are by far the most potent, powerful. I mean, if you could take the God in a divine created cell that could potentially do everything, it is a stem cell. But even still, you take a stem cell and put it into a a crappy environment, and it's only going to last so long. That's why what you preach and teach at GPP is lifestyle. I mean, maintaining that lifestyle allows your body to heal, last longer, function better, enjoy life the way it's supposed to, and has all sorts of other lasting effects on mental health, right? Right. Well-being, um, psychosocial development and well-being, and all of the above. So anyway, there, there are a tremendous amount of, of specific types of IV treatments in the state of Utah. We're probably the most complex in regards to highs and lows and the varieties of them. The unique thing, I think, is it's not a one-size-fits-all. 
I think everybody presents with a little different type of scenario that requires a little bit different type of treatment. Um, I think that's what sets us apart from, you know, a, a basic walk in, poke, get an IV and walk out. Yeah. Which, which might lead to one of the other questions you had earlier, which is uh, blood work. Mm. Well, let's ask the, here's one thing I'm super interested in. I, I want to come and I want to get all my blood work done. I want, I want to be looked at. I had my, um, had my brother-in-law go and do this recently. He's seen tremendous results. Um, for you though, what's something that you see system wide of your, most of your patients are deficient in what if like, what's the one thing that you and all your doctor friends, you're walking around discussing cases in a HIPAA secure environment or however that works. Um, if you needed a consult or whatever, is there a thing that you guys all say to each other? Oh, there he is. There's that vitamin D deficiency or, or there's that lack of hydration. And I guess what I'm looking for is, what are the things that you could say to me and my listeners and say, here are the, some of the things across the board that most of us ought to be um, looking for. And then we can go and get our blood work and have you analyze it and such. What are your thoughts on just generally staying healthy? And well, what? one of the first, Neil, one of the first, you, you already hit it, vitamin D. Uh, we see pretty regularly, uh, patients who are deficient in vitamin D. Um, if you look at all the science and research, the effects of the vitamin D deficiency, man, the list is just forever long. I know. It's, it's not diagnostic per se, but it's forever long. I mean, depression and stress, fatigue, sleepiness and whatnot. And a lot of that, as you know, uh, Neil, in our, in our community and culture, we see a tremendous amount of that because about half the year, we're not getting a whole lot of sun. Well, and especially in the last 20 years with the proliferation of the Internet, like also we're not getting sun, but also most of our life is now indoors in a dark room. Yeah, well, and COVID didn't really help, did it? Right, right. Everybody's, everybody's stuck inside. We're anti-people. And, yeah. Uh, that effect on us is, is completely diminished. So we, interestingly, Neil, when we, when COVID hit, we put out a, a big marketing campaign for, for uh, IV therapy uh, to optimize and boost the immune system. One of, one of the key ingredients to boost the immune system, is, as you probably know, is vitamin D. So I, if you're asking me kind of the key things that, that I think, no matter where you get it, vitamin D, cholecalciferol D3 is going to be the, the best uh, product, if you're looking for that, I mean, to go get the horse bill over at Costco, your utilization of that's about 20 to 30% if you're lucky. So just be careful on how you're spending it. Liquid vitamin D. There's a lot of argument right now um, on D3, and we're getting folks that are like 400 IUs is just right. Other folks are like, no, 5,000 IUs is about where you need to be. And then yesterday I was talking to a guy that's like, I don't take anything less than 10,000. <laughs> that that is the problem when you get into nutraceuticals. The the recommendations are kind of all over the map. I think it has to do a lot with, with specificity, age, 
gender, activity levels, exposures, and so forth, I think has a lot to do with, with really where that ought to and needs to be. Where do you want me to be? What, what do you, you, you want me right at that 400 um, FDA thing? Or uh, I'd, I'd honestly, because of just the world we live in now, I'd say at least 1,000. Okay. That's what I try to do. I try to anti-age. I'm doing the same thing. So a good vitamin D, I'm taking at least at least 1,000. I mean, honestly, on, uh, especially during the winter, I'm up to 5,000. Yeah. In the winter here in Utah, I'm up to 5,000. I'm just not getting that sun. I'm not absorbing the vitamin D. I'll boost it up quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that I think everybody should be taking is a good quality um, uh, omega, omega fatty acid. Mm. Uh, omegas are a natural anti-inflammatant. They are also a nice booster to the immune system. In addition to, they help with gut health, they help with brain health and function. Uh, because of the excitotoxins and neurotoxins that are in our foods nowadays and the effect of that, it's just simply kind of a counteractor, a counterbalancer to, to try to uh, balance that out. You, uh, you probably remember the free radical story, right? Yeah. You get free radicals, and the more free radicals you have in your body, the more susceptible you are to disease. Uh, this is one you know, a nice quality omega fatty acid fish oil type product can can help kind of bombard or fight off the probability of you getting that gunk that comes into the gym <laughs> or or in the clinic or in, in your workplace. I think that uh, if you're 35, 40 or older, a, a semi decent joint support. Like chondroitin? Yeah, yeah, a good quality joint support. Glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, Boswellia root, yucca root, bromelain, papaya. You can get those now in a very cost-effective gel capsule. Uh, you know, there's a bazillion manufacturers out there. You just want to make sure you're getting a good one. I'm not necessarily a proponent of one or the other. I'm just a proponent of doing it. Uh, as we age, especially during... About 30 to 50, our body slows down certain hormones, and those hormones help manage what's called substance P, which is kind of like the lubricant to our synovial joints. So we don't produce enough of that. And that's partly why we also, on the week, you know, going out and skiing down the canal when you're 50, you just don't quite recover as fast as you did when you were 20. A lot of that is because of just the, the, the hormone changes that happen. Interesting thing, Neil, when we talk about hormones is we see this particularly in males. We see this dip in the good, you know, growth hormone, testosterone, et cetera, mid-30s into the early 40s. And then we actually start to see it kind of recover mid-50. Hmm. The problem is that gap and the effect that that gap has on most people. And they just they hit that, that 50 and, and everything that happened in their late thirties and forties literally killed them. Yeah. 20, 20 years of inactivity and slowing and, and not necessarily contributing to their health in, in all the most positive ways. And now at 50, they have to overcome not only they have to overcome a 20 year gap. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, our body, again, at that point, we start to see this, 
recovery, if you will, of, of sustained vitality. And that's why it's critical to GPP it, you know? I mean, to yeah. make sure you're taking care of yourself in that window of time. The bummer is, is that window of time, I think, in most of our lives is sometimes the most stressful, worrisome, raising a family, trying to make a living, and those things take precedence over our health. But unfortunately, uh, at the end of the day, your health is your wealth, right? Let me ask you this. So this is an interesting thing that I've noticed just to put my eyeballs on it, but I've never talked to an expert about it. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to ask you this. I wonder if that's why um, we at my age, so I'm 50, and I've noticed that it takes so very much less exercise now to see more increase and more gains. It's the weirdest thing. I, I hit this wall where I couldn't do my own GPP stuff anymore, that high-intensity stuff that lasts for a long time. I'm positive that sent my cortisol levels off the charts. And I was just in this systematic period of breaking my body down. So I wound it back. I started doing this really kind of hyper intense. Let's not even call it that because it's probably about 65 to 70% of any particular max that I have. I'll do three to five repetitions, way less than I've ever done in my life. And all of a sudden I've started seeing muscular growth. I've started seeing healing. I can't believe the changes in it. And is that why am I starting to see a, a testosterone spike? And I'll bet you my testosterone has jumped. That's what happens. And my experience in, in hormone therapy and, and working and speaking across the country, the healthier the individual is through that, that decade, decade and a half of 35 to 50, the, I've, I've noticed that the sooner in their 50s, that starts to happen. So I, I would agree. I'm starting to see that. I'm not too far behind you. I got two and a half, three years behind you. So it's, it's coming up here quick. So I felt I felt that same kind of thing, and and I've noticed with with modifying my workouts, uh, I, I see a totally different response, and I've noticed that I don't have to like beat the crap out of myself to get the same kind of gains and tone and fitness level that I was able to sustain when it did require me to push that hard. That's so interesting. Like, there's really something to that old man strength. There is. I don't know what it is. But I can tell you it's a thing. I've never had this kind of change in my body, and I've sort of passing it down to people. I even did it with my kids, and, and I got a little 15-year-old kid. On his 15th birthday, he bench-pressed 245. It takes so much less than I used to think it did. Anyway, I, I wanted to get your opinion on that, but that answers a few questions for me. Like, yeah. that testosterone must be going And it's not necessarily new science. It's, we've known that for a long time. Um, yeah. It's really what you do in that window, like you said, what you do in that window to, to work through and sustain it that allows you to recover and enjoy that last three or four decades of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to those last three or four decades. If folks want to get a hold of you, Kirk, we're, we're um, the bountifulwellgroup.com. Yeah. Bountifulwellgroup.com, 801-292-WELL. That's okay. our phone number. Uh, we're all over the internet, all over Facebook. Um, you'll, you'll find us pretty much anywhere. And you know, we're uh, we have medical doctors, physical therapy team, nurse practitioners, nutritionists, dietitians, uh, therapists, rehab. I mean, we are, and I, I'm not 
not trying to boast, but there's not really any other clinic in the state right now that is is as diverse in our multidisciplinary approach. The cool thing is, is because of that, we got a lot of brilliant heads working together. You don't just see one physician, you're seeing multiple and you got this integration of, of heads working together to really customize a program for the individual. Um, we do accept all insurance companies. We work with most of them. A lot of the stuff we do here, the insurance will cover. If it doesn't, your HSA or Flex can. Things like IV therapy, you can use your HSA or Flex. Uh, we have off-the-shelf IV nutrition. You can come in and we've got eight a whole conglomerate. You need to come over and nail. In fact, for doing this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple freebies. You and your wife can come over and do a couple of fun IVs. I was going to hit you up anyway, so I'm glad you, you said that. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> come on over. I'd, I'd love to have you just, just come over and see, and, and uh, I can help guide you on a couple of them. I know we even got a hangover one if you need one. <laughs> cool. Sometimes that will help me a lot. Some days I need that more than anything. Listen, I appreciate you. I've always admired you, and I'm, I'm grateful you came on the show to, to share some of your knowledge with us. Will you come back and talk to us again? Absolutely. Love to be uh, love to be of support in any way I can. I thank you too, Neil. You and I have worked across town here for years and I've always admired and appreciated your approach to life and function and fitness and thank take you. a very practical approach. Uh, that's what I've always uh, enjoyed and appreciated about you. Appreciate you for that. Um, folks, that's Dr. Kirk Worslin, the Bountiful Well Group over at Integrated Wellness. Um, pleasure to have you on the show, brother. You've been listening to Return to Real right here on KSL. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.